Hey, welcome to the MOD report. This is a special report in regards to the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, the employer paid leave requirements. This is known as FFCRA or ACT for short. So a couple things that uh, we're going to address is not just the act legislation that goes into effect, folks, next Thursday, April 2nd of 2020, April 2nd of 2020, this law goes into effect. The latest update on my uh, podcast, um, the most recent one prior to this said April 3rd, that was misspoken um, because I calculated 14 days at the time of the podcast recording versus when the legislation was signed by President Trump late that evening. So with that, it is, just to clarify, April 2nd. That's seven days from now. So I've been receiving a lot of questions uh, via email and a lot of phone calls from uh, clients and employers and even friends of employers and random people, believe it or not, uh, which I'm happy to assist, of course, here at Inospire. That's what we do. Um, but that being said, I figured I'd I'd give this special report to explain a little bit based off of the Department of Labor who has issued. They have issued their statements, um, their questions and answers, their fact page, as well as the posters that you must post and provide your employees all located at their website, www.dol.gov. And then you can uh, click on a couple of links there to make your way into the COVID-19 and the American Workplace um, section of their website. So um, let me break it down for you if you're an employer, because some of the um, questions that I'm receiving is, you know, hey, Ryan, we are too small. We are too small and we can't afford this. Are we really required, since we have less than 50 employees, are we really required to do it? <clears throat> That's the first question I'm going to address today. And then more so, like, what other requirements are there, such as providing a copy of this legislation to your employees and making them aware of it and other types of uh, information there uh, as it relates to the Fair Labor Standards Act and how you can work your employees during uh, a time of this uh, health crisis here in the United States and, and really around the world. So first and foremost, let me answer this question, and that is who qualifies for the coronavirus paid sick leave under this new federal legislation? And for sure, I'm just going to call it ACT from here on out. We'll call it ACT, uh, which is what the DOL refers to it as for short. So who's entitled to the ACT? So this is uh, for all employees of less than 500 employees throughout that organization. And again, you can listen to my prior podcast that really breaks it down. But essentially, these employees are entitled to paid sick leave at the employee's regular rate of pay for up to 80 hours. That's basically two weeks in the event that the employee is unable to work because they are quarantined as a result of federal, state, or local municipality legislation, um, or as experiencing COVID-19 symptoms uh, as declared by a medical uh, practitioner. The other entitlement is two weeks of paid sick leave at two-thirds of the employee's regular rate of pay because they're unable to work 
as a result of having to take care of a uh, a loved one or even a child who is unable to um, get daycare services. So with that, again, you can listen to the details on the prior podcast, but let me answer a couple of other questions that have come through my desk uh, most recently. And the most important one is uh, for employers or even employees, and that is, am I entitled to it or do I really have to pay this or not? Um, So here's what it comes down to. The paid sick leave and the expanded family and medical leave provisions of ACT apply to um, certain public employers and private employers that have less than 500 employees, okay? Less than 500 employees. So most of these folks are, are, are covered. Now, here is the caveat. Small businesses, which is the majority of clients that I work with, both in any private sector, hospitality, such as restaurants in particular, bodegas, uh, hotels, uh, retail outlets, etc. Small businesses that have fewer than 50 employees may qualify for an exemption from this requirement to not have to pay an employee for this pay under the employer paid leave uh, coronavirus response act. Now, here is the interesting thing. Now, when an employee comes to you and they ask, or you go to your boss and, and you say, you know, hey, I need to go take care of my child who is experiencing COVID-like symptoms. I need to leave work and you need to pay me. If the employer, let's say, for example, has five employees, it is very likely that the government would see that due to an undue hardship, and that's the test here, due to an undue hardship, the employer is not required to participate and to pay that employee for paid leave. Now, you, as the employer, have the, truly have the, um, oh, what is the word I am looking for? I'm blanking on it, which happens a lot. Uh, (laughs) But you essentially have the responsibility, here it is, to do your due diligence in ensuring that you truly can't afford it. And the recommendation that I can make, and I'm sure others out there like attorneys would agree, is that you should do a comparative analysis of your financials and comparing it and offsetting it to the amount that you are going to have to pay into that employee's wages at that time. So do a comparative cost analysis to be able to prove and document that you can't afford it. Once you've done that, file it away. Keep it handy. You do not, as of today, the DOL, the Department of Labor at the federal level, or even our state has not provided any guidance is in terms of exactly how to file for an exemption, but they do declare on the DOL.gov website that you are to document it and hold on to it as a record. You do not mail this in to the government. You don't mail anything to them saying that, you know, you've denied this request to the employee. Folks, it's no different than when an employee comes to you and says, I need to take family medical leave as a result of an adoption. And you deny that request because you are either A, well, there's several reasons. You're likely an employer that has less than 50 employees or the employee has worked there for less than 12 months. So you deny it. Now, when you deny the claim, your human resources department or representative simply 
provides documentation to the employee as well as maintains their own documentation and files it away. And that's what you need to do in this case. So again, if you are an employer that is considered a small employer, which is 50 or less, five zero or less employees, I recommend that you do a comparative compensation and revenue analysis to compare the amount of wages that you have paid the employee and the amount of revenue coming into your business. And obviously, if the delta is negative towards your business revenue, then the answer is simple. And that is you can prove, you can prove should you be challenged and the employee complain to the government that you're not providing this leave, you have documentation and sound evidence that you have done your due diligence that this would bring undue hardship to your organization. And therefore, you would not need to pay that paid sick leave as required under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. So I hope that answers that question. Um, with that, there are some other areas um, of concern that I am receiving uh, calls about and emails about. And the thankfully, the government has addressed these and somewhat in a clear fashion at their website as well, the DOL.gov. But this deals with FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act. The Fair Labor Standards Act, which is the act that has been in place since the 30s that controls child labor, the minimum wage standards, um, as well as other several factors that um, we look at towards laws today and how we compensate employees, including overtime. So a lot of these uh, questions that I'm receiving that have also, as I mentioned, have been addressed are things like, you know, can I, do I, do I have to pay my employees if they're willing to volunteer to help out? The answer there, folks, is yes, you still have to pay them. Nothing has changed here. In other words, there's no such thing as free labor. And not only that, it's also good to protect your business from a liability uh, claim, uh, excuse me, a wage and hour claim to limit your liability that, yeah, it might be okay that the employee's coming to you today and saying, hey, I, I, don't, I don't need my wages today. That's cool. I, I'm here for you, boss. I'm here for this company. I, you don't need to pay me. And you allow that to happen. But what happens when that employee suddenly does need to get paid and they become disgruntled? Then what do you do? you're going to be on the hook to have to pay that employee. Now, never mind the fact that at the federal level, you're going to be on the hook, but also at your local um, and possibly state level, like in California, where we have very, very strict wage and hour uh, laws regarding that. Okay, now let's talk about um, what happens if you've been laid off or you've been furloughed. If you've been laid off or furloughed in certain states like California, your employer should be paying you immediately all wages and vacation time that is due to you or PTO, paid time off. If you have a designated PTO bank, which combines vacation and sick time, that, my friends, is payable on your last day of work. If you have a designated vacation and a separate sick bank, then your employer is only required to pay the vacation time as well as all wages up until the last minute that you've worked. That law has not changed, particularly in California, but you must pay your employees on the last day of work if you are in the state of California. But again, check your local state or for that matter, since this is a worldwide podcast, check your uh, local uh, government's legislation in this area. 
What happens then when an employee is furloughed? And really, what does that mean? You know, there's a big difference, folks, between furloughed and layoffs. A furlough, to be clear, a furlough is a temporary mandated unpaid required leave by the employee. Again, I'll say that again. A furlough is a mandated unpaid temporary go home and don't do any work whatsoever type leave. Okay. Now this means that if you decide to furlough an employee, if you decide to furlough an employee, they very well may request that they have sick time and or vacation time paid to them in which they would likely be entitled to. But more so, please, please take their cell phones away. If you have a company cell phone, shut down their email, lock them out, remove all of their access to company platforms, whether that is Slack or Microsoft Teams and Skype, because here's the deal. Under the federal level of the Fair Labor Standards Act, particularly an exempt employee, should they do any type of work whatsoever at all at any point during a defined work week, you will need to pay them their full week of wages. You don't want to do that. Moreover, if you have an hourly employee who does the same thing, same thing. You have to pay them, at least in the state of California, at least half of their wages that would normally be due to them in a full workday, which again, you don't want to do. So if they are furloughed, folks, truly make it a furlough and do not allow that employee to work. So that is a big uh, issue that uh, has come up. Here's another couple of um, areas that I've been receiving uh, calls about, and that is how many hours per day or week can I work my employees? The answer there is very simple, whether at the state level uh, usually or at the federal level especially, and that is at the federal level, the Fair Labor Standards Act does not limit the number of hours you can work per day. All right, or per week for that matter. So it is very likely that your employer, particularly in the restaurant industry where most food services or even medical personnel are having to work several hours, as long as you are being compensated the overtime at the federal level, that's more than 40 hours a week, that is more than okay. And if you refuse, if you refuse to work those hours, you would technically be considered insubordinate and could be uh, terminated as a result. Of course, uh, keep in mind child labor provisions. Um, you know, you have to be 16 years or older at the federal level, um, to, uh, be able to work such, uh, long hours. And of course, every state is different. Check your local state. The other, um, question that needs to be addressed then is what about my job description? You know, my, my, my company is laying off all these people and suddenly I'm, I'm having all of this work that I have to do and my boss is making me do work that is way out of the scope of my job description. Is that legal? And the answer is simple. Yes, it is perfectly legal. In fact, the Fair Labor Standards Act does not limit the type of work that employees over the age of 18 are required to perform. So, um, keeping uh, folks always keep in mind child labor here. So, um, that, that's a little different story when you're under 18, that 16 to 18 years old is a little funky. So with that being said, you could be asked to do things outside of your job description. And if you refuse and you say, that's not my job, then again, you could be considered insubordinate and documented and or terminated eventually. So, um, keep that in mind. Now, employers, 
the the lesson here is that you want to retain employees that are um, working through this pandemic with you and you want to retain them once it's over and to motivate and to have good production. So obviously use caution here. You don't want to overwork them, obviously. So keep that in mind. So with that, um, I think the last thing I want to address that came up uh, and for a lot of um, calls that I've been receiving is my, my employees that are working from home. What happens if they trip and fall and, and break their arm? Do I need to pay and file a worker's compensation claim? Or what happens if the employee files a ergonomic or back pain as a result of a poor office uh, that is not ergonomically set up correctly according to OSHA standards or Cal OSHA if you're in California? Does that employee have the right to file a worker's comp claim? And the answer here is, again, very simple. The answer is yes, it, yes they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they can file a worker's compensation claim if they are walking around their house, they trip on a wire, uh, for their computer in the dining room and they break their arm or some other major serious injury or even non-serious, they could file a worker's comp claim. In fact, under the COVID-19 um, legislation here in California, an employee could file a worker's comp claim if they feel that they've contracted the virus at work and the employer is going to be on the hook for it. So what is the recommendation here? The recommendation, folks, in my opinion, is it, it, I would ask that the employee perhaps send a picture of their workstation since I, at this time, do, do, I don't want to intrude. And quite frankly, I don't know what the privacy laws here of whether an employer can go to your house and actually inspect your work area and take pictures. I don't know if that's allowed. I'm not a I'm not an attorney or a workers comp attorney for that matter, but I would say that I don't see why uh, it wouldn't be okay to ask the employee to send pictures of their workstation or even when you are holding Skype or Zoom conferences, take a look. Because I've seen some stuff out there on LinkedIn and Facebook where employee workstations and they're using it like a fold-up chair and they're using their laptop that is way below eye level is going to cause neck strain and back pain. I see it out there, folks. That's in the public domain. So if you see it, like they say at the airport, if you see something suspicious, say something. That's probably what you should do. If it looks weird and if it doesn't look ergonomically correct, you should probably say something about it and ideally have that employee um, try to change it to make it more OSHA compliant or ergonomically correct. So that is uh, a lot of information. I know there's a lot going on. Um, so hopefully um, you found this helpful. And of course, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, please leave those comments uh, on the website at www.inospire.com forward slash podcast. Or of course, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, please, please tell your friends, tell your frenemies, leave a comment. Please engage. Let them know that this service is out there for them and provided for free as a uh, providing that human resources help for um, mostly all industries, but specializing in hospitality. So um, again, uh, go to that website, inospire.com, which is what the MOD report is sponsored by. And uh, give us a call, drop an email, 
um, or reach out whenever you needed, and we are here for you. So with that, I'm Dr. Giffen. This has been the MOD Report. And as always, remember, for when it comes to your employees, culture is built through innovation and inspiration. Thanks, everybody. Stay healthy and good luck.